a Shishkin Productions podcast. I don't, I don't know the point of that. It was, that was just a ramble, but he, no, I thank mean, you, Mr. Krantz. Uh, he kind of trailed off at the end. It started out really strong. He was complimenting us and comparing us to war heroes, which I appreciate. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Sizzlers? Welcome to the first Sizzle Reel episode of the year. 2022, baby. We're here. We We did it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Chris. Happy New Year to you, the listener. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Dude, this is our our third calendar year where we've made a podcast. That's a good point. Yeah, we started late in 2020. Yeah. So technically, we've had two New Years. We've had three calendar years. Uh, It's been good, man. I feel like we've... uh, you know, we've made made progress. It's been it's been wonderful. Uh, we're on our way to a million. Just uh, just just a stone's throw away. <laughs> <laughs> we're inching closer and closer. Uh, Chris, how was your new year? What would you get up to? Uh, dude, new year was uh, it was kind of chill. And honestly, the last week, the week in between Christmas and New Year's, we basically were out of office all week. And I took that opportunity to do nothing. And hell yeah, it's been great. You know, I uh, I got a an Oculus Quest, so I've been playing lots of 3D or uh, virtual reality games, and that's that's really been it. I haven't thought about work or or animation or editing. Have you watched anything in three in VR, like any sort of movies or anything? Do they make those yet? Is that a thing? Uh, no, n- nothing like that. Like they have a couple random like. <sighs> experiences i guess on youtube and some of them are cool like you can go snowboarding down some fucking mountain shit like that like people who just bring a 3d camera around with them and you can look around but you don't really feel anything so it's there's no sort of there's no sort of like storytelling experiences outside of video games right now that's what it sounds like uh not not good ones not good ones so far or at least not ones that i found i feel like we should learn how to uh you know edit something in vr in the vr space and just like try to upload it to the oculus i don't even know if you can do that but that would be kind of cool just to mess with no i'm sure there has to be a way i mean and honestly the i would assume working in 3d is the best way to get there i don't or buying a 360 degree camera i don't really i've never looked into either of those so i don't know how it would be but that would that would just be insane to uh, to to design something and then be in this little 3D world. Dude, even, even just the few video games I've played, it's like, wow, these programmers really have to think about every single element that is in here. It's kind of overwhelming, honestly. Yeah, they got to create a create a whole world here. Um, so if you guys listen, you might notice we, we maybe sound a little bit different than usual. I don't know, but we're we're remote again. We yeah. decided, you know what? Well, fuck it. We're about to go in the office and have a hell of a January and things are about to get really busy in January and February. So why not just one last time go remote uh, and then un- until next week and you're going to hear us not remote and you're going to hear us uh, complaining about how much work there is again. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited to get back in the office for all the VR I've been doing. It, it It's going to be nice. We have for once we have like an entire month, month and a half booked out in advance, like yeah. completely booked, honestly. Um, and I'm kind of curious how it's going to go because one of the big contracts that we're working on this month, we haven't really touched base with with the company in like two or three weeks because we were all on Christmas vacation. Yeah, um, we've got, but we've got the two post kickoff calls coming. We do. We do. So, uh, you and know, 
we we've just been talking about it for a while and had many back and forths, but none of the work has started yet. And now it's it's about to start. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, tomorrow. I mean, it's really well, the day you're listening to it today, it's kicking off right now. Mm-hmm. It's kicking off. Um, one thing, actually, I'm springing this on you. Uh, we didn't talk about it in the rundown. But uh, for CES, the conference that I, I was supposed to work. Um, oh, yeah. They canceled the last day of CES. Really? So it was the weirdest announcement. They like sent out an email that was like the it was supposed to be, I think, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And they were like, Friday is now canceled. And it was like, wait, what? So Why? I, it's just uh, just because of a bunch of companies pulling out because oh, they, don't, and they stuff. don't have enough to fill out their program now. More or less. That's what it seems like. It's almost they were like, it's covid precautions. And it's like, what? No, it's, it's not you're canceling the last day. Like, I, th- yeah. I think this is just you don't have enough. Yeah. Like you said, there's not not there's not not enough presence to justify uh, another day of it. Yeah. If um, it was covid precautions, you would cancel the whole thing. Yeah, so I'm, uh, but um, yeah, so we we're working with Intel at that, and uh, Tuesday they are there's having their keynote, so I'm excited to tune in and watch it. Um, but I just found out that the keynote is during that kickoff call, so you and Amy are going to be flying the ship on the post kickoff call without me. Oh wow, so, can't wait! Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm gonna I'm excited to hear what kind of questions you ask. You no, know what it's, I mean? it's going to be stressful because I, I know Chris on the calls is always just like I'm gonna sit there. <laughs> Well, yeah, because everyone else always just wants to talk and talk and talk. And then they expect you to talk as much as as they do. And it's like, no, you just told me everything. What else do you want me to say? Like, I have yeah, like you got to say it back to him. Right. It's not the key of like communication is you got to at least like kind of just kind of in a way like send it back to him to let him know you understand. You know? Yeah. But and that's what I do. But it's just like, man, I just, so many of those calls are just like a waste of 30 minutes. Like It's nice to be uh you know communicating and and open about it but it's also like yo what it's just an edit it's a simple edit the best is no i mean you're right you're right but with this one it's it's i think we really have to communicate because it's It's like different time zones and like it's a new client so we really have to like you know treat them nicely um but what what is what you're right about that. The best feeling is like when you have a 30 minute call, like 30 minutes blocked off for a call and it only you only need to go 10. And then you're like, all right, cool. See you. And then you're like, <laughs> nice, like 20 free minutes because we just finished everything. Yeah. Um, Chris, uh, before we get too far into it, you want to uh, recap the the number, the phone number and all that? Oh, yeah. What, what is the phone number? Three, 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 two. two. Three 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 forty three sixty one. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I gotta say that's the hardest part about doing this remote is that fucking song. Well, we only have to do it once. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Cesarial Gang. Uh, TikTok Shishkin Productions, Patreon.com Shishkin Productions, five bucks a mm-hmm. month. Happy hour. We haven't done happy hour in a while. We should do that. Yeah, well, the happy hour thing is changing. Now it's not happy hour. Now you get invited to the quarterly networking event where you get to meet a bunch of amazing uh, artists in New York, uh, a bunch of talented photographers, videographers, 3D artists. Um, you get just meet a ton of cool people. It's yeah, that's fun. actually a better deal now that I think about it. Because happy better. hour is just us fucking around. But this, that's a real networking event. Yeah, it's a networking event. It's open bar. It's nice. You know what I mean? We're well, going to pay $5 a month so you can go get faded <laughs> once a quarter it's pretty awesome 15 bucks for a quarterly open bar um yeah yeah do that and uh you know follow us and all that and um if you don't that's fine too just keep listening to the podcast you know maybe send us an email so is a real gang at Dude, gmail.com send, send us, us an email question somebody Jeez, all we're getting is uh spam 
I know we're, we're making this content and it feels like no one appreciates it. No one reaches to be out. Honest, I, I'm not even logged into the Cicero gang email right now. So maybe if you, there are emails in it. Oh, um, yeah. But you know what I am logged into is the Cicero real, uh, the cold line. The and cold we line. Got, yep. We got a message. So let's hear it. No, hey there. Uh, this is Larry Krantz. I'm a friend of Alexi's over here in Portland, Oregon, and I'm just calling to, you know, wish you guys a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and, you know, Hanukkah and all that jazz. Don't forget about Kwanzaa, but, Merry Christmas. you know, I, I just mean, want to like let you guys know that I really accounts. like, love the podcast and what you guys are doing. Uh, you know, it's fun to hear about your ins and outs of the crazy work life that you guys are doing and Thank you. you know you know we i think that the editor the editor behind the camera you know uh, i mean uh, up on the um the computer screen you know they, they don't get as much love as they 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 should because you know you're, you're like the forgotten soldier back um we are the forgotten uh, soldiers behind enemy lines right like so, you know the glory gets uh, uh given to the guys with the uh, M16s and stuff, but then the guys back behind were M &E, M &E lines <laughs> Larry have Francis the, uh, on right now. how do you say, uh, they, uh, the microphones in the ears. Those guys are coordinating, they're doing their thing, and they're making the war happen. And I just want to let you guys know, happy holidays. Y'all, my un unsung how much longer heroes, and I, uh, uh, about I just, uh, 40 seconds. It's the you longest voice I've ever heard. I love you guys a lot. I appreciate uh, it. Listen to the Thanks, podcast Larry. a lot. We need those new episodes, guys. You're getting them. Been Here they are. Pretty lonely. Does anyways, Larry Krantz here, and I just want you to know that... Uh, Is Larry Krantz listening to music because. in the background? Keep going like. and doing the thing, and, you know. Keep us in, keep us in your thoughts and prayers. All right. Yes, you're you're in our thoughts and prayers, Mr. Larry Krantz. Uh, I don't I don't know the point of that. That was just a ramble, but he, no, I thank mean, you, Mr. Krantz. Uh, he kind of trailed off at the end. It started out really strong. He was complimenting us and comparing us to war heroes, which I appreciate <laughs> personally. But uh, towards the end, I don't. I think he was uh, the meds started fading. Oh, they kick it in. Oh, fading. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> they kick it they in. stopped working. Um, depends what meds. Uh. He he called us the forgotten soldiers. I feel like that's a very interesting thing to say. Our editors, the forgotten soldiers of the Look, we're, filmmaking world. We're the last line of defense for your footage. That's. I think I don't know if the editors are the forgotten soldiers. I feel like the editors might, are more like the. This is so dark, but like the drone pilots, you know, like oh yeah, the, the faceless, <laughs> the ones who are behind all of the everything, but you don't realize they are because they're yeah. faceless. All the destruction happens by our fingers. Yeah, I think the Forgotten Soldiers are like the PAs. Yeah, I can see that. Because the so, PAs so are always running around being told what to do and keeping people from walking across the set and shit like that, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think yeah. editors... Ed uh, editors are like the... I don't know. We're more like the infantry. We're like the... We get mowed down by, by producers' notes and, we, you know, it just takes us out one by one. Okay, all right. I could, I could see that. I feel like you're every, it's a, it's a, every metaphor. You got the friendly fire shit going on here. I'm trying uh, to keep us all as one unit here. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, thanks, Larry Kranz, for the call. Um, hope to hear more from you next time. Try to keep it under a minute or so. Um, dude, uh, he was talking about how underappreciated editors are, and kind of, uh, kind of got me thinking. Something you brought up. There was the uh, the BCPC survey. 
Yeah. You want to you want to explain what that is? Well, it's the blue collar post collective survey, which I mean, as far as I know, it's just a, a loose organization of people who work in post production. Like it's a, a Facebook group, and I'm sure they have some other online presence. But every year they do a an industry survey. Uh, we both filled it out this year, and basically you say what your role in production or post-production is and they ask you if you're male female uh what your ethnic makeup is and how much money you make and the the results came out maybe a couple weeks ago but someone by the name of katie henson just kind of put everything together in a a nice pdf that's easy to read and Mm -hmm. has graphs and information data that you can easily digest and there's I we'll mean, we'll put a we'll put a link to that in the in the show notes. Yeah, it kind of gives you a, a cool idea of uh, maybe it's not cool, but just just a, a physical representation of of the industry right now. Yeah. Um, so this this data set is from it says it's from 2021, and it says it contains 2,068 valid and complete responses from across the U.S. post production industry. I don't know. I can't I can't tell if that seems like a lot or not. I feel like that's a pretty small sample, to be honest. That's what I think, too. 2000 is pretty low. But I mean, it's still more than what we have otherwise. I think a lot of people um, also just don't like. Yeah, they just didn't know about this survey. And honestly, I think a lot of people don't consider themselves like post-production professionals anymore. I think most people who happen to edit consider themselves content creators. Yeah, you're probably right. And. I've actually been switching to that that sort of language when I kind of talk to people about what what we do. I just say like we create content because it's like what am I supposed to say? Like we're yeah, oh, we are a post house who does motion graphics as well and we record podcasts and we also have cameras so we can do light production work. It's like fuck it, we create content. Just just give us whatever you want to give us and we'll make it, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the the key sometimes. You got to say less and just make it make it sound big and that's enough yep. for people. You got to say less, fam. Um, so, let's go let's go through this real quick. Yeah. Um we won't spend too much time on it, maybe 10 minutes and we'll talk a bit about some of the responses that we that we saw and i've got this pulled up right here in front of me so it's saying from most of the people who responded um the 29 percent of them are from new york 45 percent of them from la and 27 percent are from other places in the u.s so that's important to keep in mind i think to kind of put a sort of framework around what these results are yep and Um, to go on uh 62 percent of respondents were in editorial Eleven uh, percent were in color and finishing, eighteen percent were producers, and ten percent were other. And so that says the this one didn't have the percentages listed, but there was a lot of type of stuff people worked on. Um, the majority of people seem to work on unscripted episodic content. So to me, that's just like shit for YouTube, right? That's yeah, what a lot of it that's is. What it sounds like, and a lot of people worked on scripted episodic content, which is insane. That those are the two highest, you know, types of things. But again, maybe that is just such a wide way to say that like scripted episodic does that mean like if you i mean basically anything with episodes that has a script right it doesn't necessarily mean like it's going to be on hbo max or it's going to be on 
cable or anything. It's well, yeah. You, know. you said unscripted episodic is probably mostly YouTube. A lot of scripted episodic is probably YouTube too, to be honest. And yeah. I'm sure like the there there's a line like a very fuzzy line between scripted and unscripted. And if you see at the very bottom, actually, there's like a very small amount of people claim they work in web series. So some of it is how do you see yourself, right? Because like yeah. Technically, say just for example, you work on Hot Ones, right? Hot Ones is a major, major show. Um, tons of views. A lot of advertisers want to advertise on it. Um, it's sp- been spun off into TV stuff, game shows. It's got a whole like content line around it. I'm talking merch. I'm talking like food and food and bev. Yeah, it's like, own game show. Yeah, it's own game show. Yeah, it's got all of this stuff, and. In this, you could consider it a web series. You could also consider it an unscripted episodic thing, or you could even consider it corporate and branded because a lot of the episodes do get branded. So you could just call it social media content too, because it kind of is yeah. in a way. Yeah, exactly. So basically, there's just a ton of different uh, content that people work on, and the lines are very blurred. They're very murky. Um, in terms of the uh, the gender of the uh, of people who responded: sixty percent identify as male, thirty-seven and a half percent identify as female, and two percent as neither. So um, I, that's actually a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, like basically sixty to thirty-eight. That's that that's uh, it's it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, ever since I've been in this industry, it's been a boys' club. Like any anything, whether it's editing or or shooting, it's always been a pretty male-dominated business. Uh, when I worked yeah. in news, I'd say there was probably probably more women. It was close, maybe like 55, 45, um, but most of the women were either talent or producers. Uh, not not many people, not many women doing the editing or the, the shooting. We didn't have a single female photographer on staff for like two years for a little bit there. Um, and so what's interesting here is that you, you bring that up, then the next slide on this actually breaks it down kind of by department. Um, and the only places where you see a majority uh, female uh, representation is in the uh, producer category and the post producer slash supervisor category. Yep. And then it's very close to 50% when it comes to management. And before the pod, you and I were kind of just going through this. And to me, it's funny because yes, the rest of the categories like onlining and finishing VFX, supervising VFX, artists, audio tech, tech and workflow stuff, dailies, colorists, all of those have majority male representation. However, just in my opinion, management post supervisor, post producer and producer are kind of, again, this is just my opinion. Those are the most important jobs in the workflow. Like, yes, everyone, every one of those other things is a nice cog in the machine and it definitely sets things up for for success. But the only one who's kind of a big overarching things, who's a big overarching role are like producers, post-producers, soups and management people. Yeah. I mean, the, those are the people who basically determine how the project gets done. They, they, help set a vision for it and they make sure that it gets done. And like, I mean, we've talked about producers plenty on this show and, and as an editor, the relationship's always, uh, you know, kind of weird with producers, but a, a good one is so amazing and a bad one just like ruins your week. Yeah. So like, I mean, it, it, 
just listening to us, you can tell how much power a producer has over every every single project. It's mostly just because you have to communicate with them all the time. Because the thing is, like a bad, you know, a bad sound person can ruin the whole fucking video too. That's right? true. Yeah. But, like you just don't have to communicate with them ever again. They just like fuck up their job and then send you the stuff. Yeah. Or or and or the other side of it is they do really well, right? And so that you know anyone can fuck up their job. I, I think <laughs> part part of what's interesting to me about this is like. I don't know. I think the main way that this survey is spread is through Reddit, right? So how much of it is also like just there's a bunch of like white dudes on Reddit. Like, okay, yeah, that yeah. might be part of it, too. You know, definitely. So um, the next slide also discusses gender and um, it compares it to average pay per hour compared to years of experience. And it, it trends up into the right for everyone. Like, obviously, right. The more years of experience you have, yep. the more money you're going to make. Um uh, one thing that I thought was really surprising and weird was it said 70, like this is on the next slide of this year's respondents out of the 2000 people who, you know, participated in this 75% identify as white. I thought that was really weird. Cause I was like, man, I maybe, again, maybe being in New York is a little bit different, but I would say like, you know, I, I know a lot of people who work in the industry who aren't white. Yeah. Um, maybe part of it was also like working at places like complex, but, uh, it's, I mean, I guess I could, I could see why the majority is like that, but it's a bigger statement about like kind of, uh, the inherent, like kind of racial divide in America. Yeah. Well, and for context, 75% of, of the industry identifies as white and 77% of the U S workforce is white. So, I mean, technically underrepresented by like Barely, but this is such a, a small, this is only 2000 people responding. So it's yeah. hard to take, for me, it's hard to take away something bigger than that. But I will say in places like New York and LA where w what over two thirds of respondents are, those areas are not 77% white. So I feel right. like there's still a racial divide. Totally. One thing, um, again, in the, the next slide, they break it down again by role. And it's kind of interesting. It seems like the uh, of the responses they gathered, uh, the only roles that had majority POC representation were entry level roles. So yeah. maybe that's a positive. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe that could. I mean, you can interpret that different ways. Maybe that's a, a sign that things are changing, and like people breaking into the industry now are more like, more likely to be uh, people of color, or maybe it's an issue where people of color aren't advancing in the proper way and they're, they're stuck in entry level jobs. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to unpack there and a lot to examine. Um, but yeah, again, like, like I said, that link is going to be in the show notes and it's really interesting stuff. So you should go check it out. Um, again, yeah, the next, I'm just going to kind of quickly go through this here. The next slide again, it just says years of experience versus pay that obviously is up and to the right. Um, and then it breaks down to the male versus female uh, pay kind of gap here. And it says men in post-production made 19% more than their female colleagues. Um, again, it's a lot of that, I think, comes down to the, the, the roles that they were in. Because later in this piece, they also talk about the average pay for those roles. And what I found that was, again, I, I thought this was really surprising, is that the producers are getting and like management in, in many ways and post producers and supervisors are getting paid less than editors. 
um, and f- much less than colorists. And I thought that was really interesting because, I, again, I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm biased towards those roles, but I feel like those management roles are a, a lot more important than than editors no offense i just think everyone can edit i know that's like a hot take and that's fucking silly but i don't know well i mean it's difficult because it like i was saying earlier editing is one of those things where like you know you have your your reel and your projects and you have like a tangible proof of of what you can personally do and then with producing like it, it's a little less tangible and like the traits that you need aren't it, it's when you're hiring a new producer you don't really know if they're good or not you can just like take other people's word but you don't have any concrete proof for it so i wonder if maybe it's a thing where companies aren't willing to pay as much for producers that they don't know if they're good or not or mm-hmm. I, maybe there's just more producers out there and yeah. And then who who also knows, like when it comes down to the accuracy of the data, sort of, because, again, this is a survey that everyone just kind of fills out. Yeah. And you can either um, you can either put your rate as a day rate. You can put it as hourly rate. You can put it as a weekly rate. You can put your rate however you want. Well, and not maybe not, not to mention, ahead. but it's like the way I came across this was the editors subreddit. Maybe not a lot of producers are in the editor subreddit you know like yeah that's a great point maybe maybe this this survey is not getting distributed to producers in the same way it is people in the technical side of post that's probably yeah that's that's a that's probably a big thing too um another thing i was thinking was like maybe you know because producers uh i guess it depends on what you work on but i would say overall producers have a lot more control over the piece than editors do yeah in terms of being there from the start to the finish, right? Editors, we come in and we do what we can with what we're given. Exactly. But producers have a control over the piece, right? Yeah. So Usually the shoot has of, already happened by the time we're involved sometimes. M- maybe there's a lot of people who are just like, you know what? I want to produce so bad that I will take a pay cut to go do it because then I can actually have creative control and fulfill my vision. So that might also explain some of the the difference in pay per roles. Well, yeah, and and we've honestly we've had a couple producer friends like when I found out their day rate, I'm like, oh wow, you're you're right there with us. I thought you were, I thought you were, yeah, exactly. Honestly, I thought they were making more than we were. Um, and I guess ultimately, like th- this is just a small kind of uh, representation of what is in this PDF and what's in this report. It's really interesting, especially if you're just into the stats and specifically if you, you know, are an editor or work in post and you want to see the stats. Yeah. Um, To summarize, this says the goal of this survey is to offer more transparency about and for the people who work in the U.S. post-production industry. So, you know, you can also have access to the raw data. There's links to the raw data. So if, if you're a st- statistician out there and you mm-hmm. want to fuck with it, it's go basically for it. it's just a, a Google sheet full of all the info, basically. Um, yeah. Um, but shout out to uh, Katie Hinson for putting yeah. this together. This is uh, it's some really cool stuff. It's my it's, big takeaway. Colorists make a lot of money. Apparently, I had no idea. But, yeah. Like, yeah. look at just looking at the the graph. Colorists are like like 60% more than everyone else, which I'm guessing that's just uh, something to do with the sample of data. But I've got a feeling that what happened was like, 
you know how, I mean, I think a lot of colorists probably broke their rate down to an hourly rate and then we're like, well, shit, I charged, you know, whatever, 700 for the day, 600 for the day, but the project only took me two hours. That's a good point. And so then they probably were like, it's three. Oh yeah. My rate is like 300 an hour or something. I don't know. I'm just making shit up. But yeah. like I could see that happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same. Um, but yeah, no, ultimately, uh, a legit survey and it's really, I think it's really healthy because it's getting people to talk about rates. Like that's really oh, yeah. important. Like yeah. talking about Discuss wages, your wages. Really, you have to, you got to do it. And I don't know, ultimately, uh, it would be cool. I think we were talking about this the other day, but, um, I, I, I think maybe I was talking about this with Amy, but I was like, I want to one day, like get us all just on the exact same wage. I want everyone at the company to make the exact same amount of money. That would be like, fucking wild. From from the the owners to like the, you know, assistant editors. Everyone makes the same exact a, amount a of money. A truly socialist corporation. Right? Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be hilarious? Proletariat <laughs> pink really really coming through. Um all right, let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk a bit about animation. Look, we've been doing the show for a while, and Wandering Barman... Wandering Barman? They are one of our premier sponsors. They're a sponsor? Yeah, they're the best. They make the most delicious cocktails, and they're pre-made. Wait, pre-made cocktails? I can just drink it? I don't have to make a cocktail? That's right, but it gets even better. They just opened their cocktail brasserie here in Brooklyn. That sounds fancy. It's pretty fancy, but it's also mad affordable. Their happy hour from 5 to 7... Five dollar cocktails. So if you want an old fashioned, guess how much it is? Uh, five dollars. If you want a margarita, guess how much it is? Mm, five dollars. And if you want a diet Pepsi, I don't think they have those. They don't have those, unfortunately. Oh. But you should check out Wandering Barman's Cocktail Brasserie at three fifteen Meserol Street in Brooklyn. Go for happy hour, five to seven. They're open every day. Wandering Barman, woo! Welcome back, Sizzlers. And, you know, I know that I said I did nothing during the the holiday break, and that's true. But that's not the same is not true for Alexi. He was out here learning new Adobe programs basically the whole week. It's true. I was working with stuff. I was I even went past Adobe. I was going outside of Adobe. But yeah, I think I don't know how much of it we talked about on the last one. I was looking at tutorials, doing some random shit, but I really got into uh to an animating the last week I was uh, I was trying to come up with some cool things I drew some uh, I drew some cartoons you know you saw them yeah yeah so uh the, the the one screenshot I got was basically puppets of of the four people the five people in the office regularly and uh I, they all had their own like unique uh art Characters. style yeah, yeah. They, they were all their own art styles and like they they look different and they I don't know it I'm curious to see where it's going. I haven't seen any animations of it, but. Well, the reason that there haven't been animations yet of it is because it's using this program, Adobe Character Animator. And the way that that program works is like it's 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 performance based. So it's really good for like talking head type animations and stuff where you don't have to do too oh, much so body it, movement. Is, it, this is one of the ones where you're where you're acting it out and it's it's like motion tracking you. Exactly. Yeah. But it uses a webcam to motion track your expressions and and it also records the audio. So when you speak, it'll match up the mouth uh shapes with what you're saying so and it'll like animate the eyes and the eyebrows and the whole expressions and everything so it's pretty cool and for the puppets that are full body it actually the new update to animator has 
uh, a full body tracking mode as well. Again, the lighting has got to be pretty good and the camera should be decent. Um, but you can actually track someone like moving their arms around to moving their legs, like moving their entire body. So it it's, it's going to be pretty lit, I think. I mean, that that's just wild to me how easy animation can be. Like, I know that that's not how most animation is done, but... It's so just, accessible. Just how far it's advanced. Exactly. I mean, I remember when, when Character Animator first came out in like, what, 2012, 2013. I remember you were in L.A. at the time. Yeah. And when I was visiting, you were showing it to me and how cool it was where we could just, I don't even think you could like move your limbs and have it tracked at that point. You could just talk and it would kind of move the lips of the puppet. And I thought that was the coolest fucking thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. You definitely could not move your limbs at that point yet. But uh, now they have, I haven't tried the limb one yet just cause like I'm in a fucking New York apartment. I don't have a room to like yeah, to, yep. to do all that shit. But, um, for me, the most important part I think is just still like the, the facial tracking and all that. Um, because I think, I don't know, here's where I think it'll be good. I think we can like use the, some of the characters to like, you know, uh, animate little bits from the sizzle reel, you know, and, yeah. and maybe we can put them up on Instagram or something. I don't know. But it's uh it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. So hopefully, hopefully we can do some stuff with that. Um, well, no, that wasn't the only thing that you were you were messing with. I remember. So we uh, we had a COVID Christmas together, and yes. uh, we spent a couple of the hours just playing with Substance, Adobe Substance, and yeah. Okay, so so we yeah, I I actually think we. You know what? Yeah, we okay. So we briefly touched on it last week, but the, we went in depth and like, what do we do? We basically took a picture of um, a counter counter in your yeah, kitchen of my and we sink. Like, basically, we took a uh, a three D model of a milk jug and like made it so it was sitting on that counter and tried to match the light and tried to like put textures on it and stuff. I don't know. What did you think? What were your takeaways from it? Um, my takeaways were. Don't do it on a laptop. Use a real computer for it. Yeah. But also it it was just so wild. The like how, how much you can do with any given asset, any 3D asset that's in there. Uh, like the the presets were really cool. You could drop car paint on there or you could make yep. it metal. You could change the reflectiveness. You could change how much like grit there is to it. Uh, like. I could see myself getting lost for a day, two days, just modeling a single 3D asset because it's it's fun, too, because you're just like looking at the real world and then looking back at your picture. And there is a little bit of guesswork because we were working on a laptop. We didn't have the ray tracing enabled, so we weren't necessarily getting like real time looks at it. But, you know, we exported a little PNG. It took. 40 minutes for a PNG, <laughs> but it looked pretty cool. I mean, at first glance. If, if you didn't know better, you might think, yeah, there's a milk jug on my counter. It's it's some uncanny valley type shit. For it really. Real. Yeah, it is. It is. Because like if, um, if you do know what to look for, it's very obvious. And you're like, oh, this is creeping me out. OK, so here's the thing. So this is where it lost me. Um, I, I agree. The texturing of it, it was really cool. All the lighting, the 3D models. I, it was so cool. And for the first, like after I'd used it for like three or four days, I remember I was just like freaking out. And I was like, this is so sick. I'm going to buy all of the Adobe 3d, uh, like suite that they have. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, it's cool. I don't mind paying $300 a year for this. It's going to be so dope. 
And uh, you know, you you saw that. You saw like how stoked I was. I was trying yeah. to like, explain it. Right? Yeah, I, I so, haven't heard this update actually. I didn't know that okay, you were out so on it. Here it is. This is the big update. So I had so Cuba. Um, Cuba also had the cove, so we watched soccer after unboxing um, day after Christmas, and um, I was showing him substance as well. And we picked a instead of a milk jug, we picked a 3D model of like a duffel bag, right? But the duffel bag is you know it's shaped like a normal full duffel bag yeah then it has like a strap hanging off of it that you'd put over your shoulder and it has two handles sticking straight up on it um and we put it in the scene and then we rendered it out and it just didn't look right it looked bad and to me i realized the reason it looked bad is because there i didn't maybe there is a way to sculpt and there's a way to set physics and gravity. But I was like, this bag is, it wouldn't sit like this normally. It would be lumpier and it would be more bottom heavy because yeah. gravity would be pulling the clothes in it down. The handles wouldn't be standing straight up. The handles would be flopped. The, the, the um, shoulder strap wouldn't be just like out in the air. It would be down on the ground. Like there was a the lot physics of little were tiny off. things. Yeah, exactly. Now, and, do you think that's a function of just like the assets that they provide you? I think it's a function of that particular program. I think if you're working your way through the entire suite, like you can figure out how to solve all those problems as you go. Like there's probably one program specifically for the sculpting of it. One program where you can apply realistic physics. I'm just guessing. I don't know this. But then I looked up a video. I was like, man, I wonder if there's a way to apply gravity. So I looked up a video. I was like, how do you apply gravity in Adobe Substance? And the person basically was like, you know, you can't really, but you you can uh, turn on like the properties of a layer. So the layers don't go through each other. And so one layer, like when it hits it, it like stops at it. And then the way they illustrated it was they've made a staircase and they were like, so if I wanted a bunch of bananas to be dropped down the staircase, they were like, you know, I can take the banana and I can change the settings on it. And that way, when it hits the staircase, it won't go through it. It'll like kind of move with it and look like it's like hitting the staircase. He's like, then I'd have to duplicate it, move a bunch of them, move them randomly, make it look like all these bananas are falling down the staircase. And I was like, I don't know if a th I feel like a 3D program should have a built in physics engine. Right? I agree with that. Absolutely. And, and so then I did a little bit more research and turns out Blender has all that and it's free. <laughs> yep. I mean, Blender's been kind of like an industry standard for a while now. I know it's not quite like, it's not Nuke or Mocha, but that's where I feel like everyone in 3D gets their start with, with Blender. I hadn't even heard of Substance until you brought it up a few weeks ago. I didn't know that it was out there. Yeah, and so then I, I started researching Blender, and then I found another video that was like, basically, again, something just as simple as that, right? With the Substance one, it was like a, a group of bananas falling downstairs. In Blender, it was a big cube made of smaller cubes, like, you know, a hundred by a hundred, mm -hmm. like giant cube made of a bunch of little cubes. And it was the demo was dropping that that cube on the floor and them all like kind of like piling up like it's hanging in the air. Then you hit apply gravity and it all falls down and makes like a little pile. Um, and just seeing the difference between the workflows just for something that simple, I was like, oh, my God, like. The Blender workflow is so much nicer, bro. And I immediately went and downloaded Blender and spent like eight hours doing a beginner's tutorial to make a fucking spinning donut. 
Damn, so that was so, my that was my Chris or that was my after Christmas. So so I mean, last week we did uh, New Year's four K resolutions, and one of mine was to dabble in three D. And it sounds like you've already beaten me to my own resolution. That's true. I don't really remember what your resolutions were, but I made mine super simple so I could just like knock them out immediately. Basically, um, I already like one of mine was to take everyone to uh, sleep no more. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm getting the tickets tomorrow. So that's done. Um, but well, the thing is, it's just as easy for you to do it. I mean, I got to no, download it. I know. It. I sent I sent you the project. So you should open that project. I have it just open. like, oh, do you really? Yeah, oh, I have, man, I have it open, but like you should pull, you should pull it up and screen share it and I'll, I'll show you some stuff. So I've got the this project pulled up. I see a, a nice donut with some sprinkles. But what oh, hell yeah. what, what were some of your takeaways from this? Like, is this something that was it a way for you to just like learn the program and what it's capable of real quick? Or is this something that you're going to apply in the future? Well, OK, yeah, 100 percent. It was to learn how it's laid out and stuff. It was kind of like an intensive course. There's a guy called Blender Guru. He's like this Australian dude. And on YouTube, he th he has this like this was like an eight hour like endeavor for me, like seven or eight hours. Um, and, you know, what's th the funniest part is that if you go online and you just randomly Google Blender Donut, like there's so many of these. There's millions of these because oh so many God. people watch that series of tutorials. There's even a whole subreddit called beginner blender donuts and it's just like everyone's blender donuts and some people just absolutely crush it they go like the full level they they model a plate for it they put it on a plate they model a cup of coffee with steam coming off of it like there's such amazing stuff um but yeah this was for me to to, to learn to learn like the ins and outs of it because there's so many things you can do you can not only like model the shapes but you can also sculpt them or you can give the donuts some like lumps and stuff you can texture them to give the donut little fried spots on it you know you can uh you can again using geometry nodes all those sprinkles that's not particles that's five separate tiny cylinders that are then told to randomly create a pattern in the background. So they randomly duplicate, randomly color them based on a color palette you select and so what percentages of them you want to be red, what percentage of them you want to be blue, stuff like that. Um, they randomly, you can, you can control the density with just like a slider, like how, how many sprinkles versus how few. Um, there's just so many incredible things you can do. And on top of that, you can animate in there. And I haven't even touched any of the animation or like gravity parts of this, which is, that's what's most interesting to me is the physics, you know? Now, how how difficult would you say it was to get into it? Um, I I think it was it was pretty straightforward. So I found that where I was struggling the most was just basic things like mem like remembering what all the shortcuts were and what all the different modes were because um like you have it open you can see there's a ton of tiny little buttons that like one has a plane that's shaped this way one has two intersecting circles one so there's a bunch of different modes right yeah just there's opening like, it is overwhelming looking at all the different just yeah. the panels the 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 things up top the just navigating it at all is like oh shit i don't want to touch anything before i mess something up so there is so many different view modes. There's like an edit mode, like a, a layout mode. There's modeling, there's sculpting, so, UV editing, texture paint. Those, and what you're, yeah. And so those are different things that it can do. But even below that, there's m multiple view modes within each mode. And if you're in a certain one, it 
doesn't allow you to do certain things, right? So if you're like in wireframe mode, you can select nodes behind nodes. But if you're not in wireframe mode, you only select the nodes that the camera sees, right? There's like tons of tiny little things like that. And so all of those things were the ones that were difficult for me, right? I was just like, God damn, I was getting frustrated. I was like, why isn't it working? I'm clicking it. Why isn't it working? What I did notice is that when I got to, this is like a 16 part tutorial series. When I got to the parts that were about introducing a camera into the, into the, uh, environment, introducing a light into the environment, camera placement, light placement, focal lengths, depth of field, uh, resizing the frames, rendering, animation, all of that. I knew that shit inside out. That one I had, I had zero problem. Like I buzzed through those tutorials. It was like, it was like an hour and a half of shit that I like literally almost fast forwarded because I was like, okay, I know how to do all this. Like as soon as I opened it, I was like, oh, that's a light. And I just did it. And then I kept watching and it was like 10 minutes later, he got to that part. And I was like, okay, this part, luckily, because of After Effects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was about to ask like how it does it work basically the same as After Effects, setting a camera and setting the lights. I would even say it's a, it's a bit easier. I think in After Effects, it can get a little bit daunting because, you know, it's a 3D camera in a 2D space. Yeah. And also, you don't even need the camera really in After Effects. In in Blender, you have to have the camera because that's what generates your renders. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, So if you're not framed, framing it up in any way, then what's it rendering, I guess? But uh, I, I'm such a noob, man. I like I said, I've only done it for a little bit, but um. I'm hoping to do it. I want to I want to do a little project. I want to make a bunch of like, you know, little 3D sandwiches in it or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Make a little do a little 3D project, make a collection. I mean, what I have planned is to do a thing called Summer of Sandwich. I want to make a bunch of different sandwiches and release them all summer long. But uh, (laughs) that's that's a lot of fucking work. Maybe I'll design a, a cameo sandwich for you. Yeah, there you go. You can do a little slider or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are, are, is there anything that you're curious about, about that program or anything that is sticking out to you just kind of looking at it? No, I mean, like for me in my head, I, when I think of Blender, I think of like video games and like creating assets for video games. So thinking about it in terms of animation is like, uh, it's super daunting to me because I just don't know the first thing about sculpting. And honestly, you, you were explaining it to me the other day. And just describing how, you know, you made the donut out of different shapes and like textures and layers. And honestly, it's not that too far away, at least conceptually from designing an illustrator or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, it all starts with shapes and just honestly, everything that that we do in this industry is it's just combining many different ideas and seeing how how they can work together and like create something bigger than than each individual uh, idea each and yeah, like how they're all part of the chain exactly of. it's crazy because you you need to have so many different small skills to to design anything like you just yeah. you just have to have knowledge of so many different ways to make something and combine them and it's it's always super it's just so daunting to me like i know i do it all the time but it every time i think about it in an abstract way i'm like holy crap this is a little bit overwhelming the worst part is that artists like never realize, and I'm guilty of it too. Uh, this is like a self compliment that I will for once do here, but yeah. like I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. Like artists don't realize how much they know and how much they're worth. Like yeah. they always just like, 
underestimate themselves. You know, I mean, I think we're seeing this, uh, I don't know, with Web3 specifically, we're seeing like a whole new idea of what art is worth. And hopefully like day to day, like designers and artists like are going to kind of see greater, you know, rewards for Fingers how crossed. much effort they put into it. Um, one thing I will say about Blender, right, that's also cool and is way it's better for like people like me and you who aren't necessarily working on machines that are geared towards heavy 3d work, like without, you know, balling ass GPUs. Mm -hmm. Um, blender is cool because you can use two different render engines. So there's a render engine called cycles, which is dependent on ray tracing and cycles is a much more realistic render engine. What that does is it, it like, allows for the light to bounce more. So say you have like the way that the guy explained there in the tutorial is in the middle of the donut, right? Like there's that hole. Um, and so if you turn on cycles rendering, the way the light bounces, it'll bounce a few extra times before it like dies. And so that like donut hole, for example, will be lit up more realistically. Yeah. Uh, the other render uh, engine is called Eevee, like the Pokemon Eevee. And, uh, Eevee is a way, way, way faster render. Like it is, if you don't have a dedicated GPU, Eevee renders like are insanely fast. Uh, but the, the stuff you get, the results you get are less realistic. They're a bit more video gamey. Right. And personally I was like, you know what? I don't even mind that. I think that like they look great. And the fact that, yeah, you do get quality loss for sure. But I'm not trying to make really realistic things, you know? Now, is it a situation where you could design under one render engine and then switch it and see what you get and hope that it still looks good? Or is it just going to look very different because you you created it in a different setting? You could, um, but it it isn't. I don't think it's advisable just because the way that the light affects it would be very different. So, like, you would have done all this under certain uh, thinking it's going to look a certain mm -hmm. way with certain lighting conditions. And then when you switch it, the light might like change. Right. So you might yeah. have to change like the position of your lights. You have to change the way your substances take in that light and, and all, all this stuff. Um, I was trying to work in cycles because in the uh, the tutorial, the guy worked in cycles because he has a good computer, but I just couldn't do it. I switched to Eevee because my computer was fucking chugging. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to try this out. I'm probably going to do it on one of the work computers. I'm not going to subject my my laptop to it. I mean, you 100% should. I think we should just create a folder on the uh, on the server that's dedicated to just like trials in Blender and just like doing random shit because it's I really think that it's worth um, I actually think that it's worth like this year for everyone at the office to like learn things. Like I think that we should try to dedicate at least one day a month, ideally one day, a one week. day a week. Yeah. But at least one day a month to like fucking deep dive and like learn things. Cause it just makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't get better unless you're, you're learning constantly, especially in an industry like ours where the technology is advancing all around you. Like you can't, you literally can't just do what you've always done in our industry because you will get outdated pretty quickly. Yeah. And I mean, that, that is, uh, hits too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing before we go, I wanted to also bring up, so, uh, I was looking, I was like, man, I gotta find like a, a 
tutorial kind of um, like uh, a guide or or something that's like a multi-part series of lessons that you can do to yeah, get better in it. Of right? course. Of course, exactly. And so uh, that Blender guru person on YouTube, he has a, uh, a video where he outlines like a four-week intensive self-taught course where he just kind of maps out the course for you and is like, so week one, do this, then do this, then do this, then watch this video of mine, then do this, then do this, and do this, then go along to this tutorial of mine, then do this on your own. It's cool. But, and I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. And then as I watched him explaining the courses, I was like, wait, I don't, this, this is really useful if you're trying to get into like making realistic 3d worlds and like very like true to life depictions of mm -hmm. things. But it's like, I'm trying to make like cartoony, like ridiculous things. I don't really want to get like that I bet, realistic. I bet you that there's, there's a, a cartoon specific 3d class somewhere. hundred percent. There's gotta be. And, and that's what I thought. I was like, you know what? I should just go to other like YouTubers who do blender like courses and find the one that fits the style I want to do. Mm -hmm. Cause um, yeah, he, there was parts where he was like, all right. And on week three, you're going to be making like an environment. He's like, I recommend you pick a desert because they're a little bit easier to make. He's like, but we'll make like an, a, whole, a whole environment and all this. And I was like, oh, I don't I don't really want to make like a whole environment. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if I could do that. That's, that's, but, that's a lot of work. Yeah. But yeah, you should uh, you should jump in at some point. I know I, it's about to get real busy, but you yeah. should jump in and fuck with it at some point. I still got to get through through the, the Illustrator and After Effects courses that I have lined up and Photoshop, all that. It, they're all programs that I know that I just feel like I should know better before I move on to the next one. But I think 3D is going to be a, a second half of 2022 for me. That's that's yep. my goal. Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes for me. It's going to be uh, tough. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll let you learn what what's worth learning what, what's what not. not to do exactly learn what not to do yeah yep um all right should we uh, wrap it up i think so i think everyone should give us a call at 332 uh you should give us a follow on twitter instagram sizzle real gang tiktok shishkin productions patreon right. shishkin productions five bucks a month and you get to the go to the quarterly networking event with the People who make donuts for a living. Quarterly networking event with the donut makers. Yep. The open bar. The open bar. Of every everybody's gonna be there. You're gonna be the only one missing out. Yep, yep. And uh and next week we'll be we'll be back in the studio. So yeah. no more of the norm no more of this low energy shit that we do when we're remote. <laughs> yeah. As we were wrapping this up, I'm always like, What's the cold open gonna be? I don't know. We didn't laugh once. So Yeah, sorry this guys. Was a, this was a very dry episode, but you know, it's it, going to be a very dry January. It, well, oh God, it's not going to, I wanted to do a dry January and already did not work out. <laughs> Same. I, well, I don't want to do it at all. I think it's for squares. Yeah, I'm a square. Well, everyone, I hope you learned something at least. If you didn't laugh, maybe you learned. You, you yeah. laugh, you learn, you get loves, you whatever. You learn, you laugh, you learn. We're going to close ourselves out with Alanis Morse. <laughs> <laughs> Shishkin Productions Podcast.